into the online broadcast network. After Buzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries. And your number one source for after show entertainment. TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing after shows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Yes! Ladies and gentlemen... You know what that song in the background means. That means it is time for Monday Night Football. Wow, I cannot believe it is officially back. We've waited seven, eight long, agonizing months waiting for the moment for Monday Night Football to come back again. And it's here tonight. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. This is America's... After Buzz TV's <laughs> Monday Night Football, which is, I was going to say America's team, which is the Cowboys who did a phenomenal job last night. But at any rate, this is the Monday Night Football After Show. I'm your host, Kevin John. I am blessed and privileged to have somebody alongside me who is a fantasy sports guru, who is a uh, Seahawks fan, who wears the cleanest suits, and he will be helping me out today, talking Monday Night Football. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Ben Bateman. Stop it, Kevin. You're too much. You're too much. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Uh, it was a tough <laughs> week for us. It was a tough week for us. I'm very excited to be here. I can't believe football's back. It's actually back. I mean, it's, you. Sp- it's yeah. like you check you know, under your under your pillow for the toothbrush going to leave you money. It's like that kind of a thing. Yeah. Like finally, one day yeah. it happens. Football has returned. It feels like I just found $100 under my pillow. Now, seeing that you're a Hawks fan and the outcome of their game yesterday, do you still feel like you found $100 under your pillow or were you stiffed by the tooth fairy? Well, you know, Kevin, uh, we've made the Super Bowl two years in a row. Um, yeah, yeah, that's the past. I'm talking about present. You we're, know, present. We're, we're, this is a present show. So we're the best team in the NFL. Losing opening day uh, is not the end of the <laughs> world because it gives us kind of a back against the wall mentality a little bit. Like you know, we're we're a little bit more uh, you know playing playing as the underdogs. And and as a Seattle sports fan, if anybody watching Wait, this is a did Seattle, did you say sports you're playing fan. as the underdog when you guys just made it to two back to back Super Bowls? I don't think that Kevin, Kevin, that. John, let me finish, please. Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, if any of you are watching and you're Seattle sports fans, if any of you have ever, have ever been a Seattle sports fan, you know the heartbreak that we have suffered over the last 50 years of Seattle sports. For the most part, we are the lovable losers. We never win anything. Prior to winning the Super Bowl in 2013, the last championship of a Seattle sports team was the 1979 Seattle Supersonics, a team that was stolen from us in the end anyway. So when we finally won, when we finally won the Super Bowl, it was this gigantic monkey off our back. And prior to that, we were always those guys that nobody expected to win, even in 2013. Nobody expected we were going to get there. So now the fact that Seattle's this like dynasty in the making, it's much better for us to go into the season, lose a game, and then have to play from behind. We're last in the NFC West right now. That's called optimism and silver lining. Just admit you got beat by a, t- a team in the NFC West. Now, I was going to say, there is another city that has a much longer drought as far as winning a championship than you guys. It's called Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. And who knows when they're going to turn things around. But at any rate, obviously we're not here to talk about the Seahawks. Oh, excuse me. The Seahawks. <laughs> oh, uh, love, love, Kevin. This is this is Monday Night Football. But before we get into Monday Night Football, obviously the first week of the NFL is officially in the books upon the conclusion of Monday Night Football. Um, just real quick, over the first week, what was the one thing, the big, the, the, the shocker, the team, the team shocker from this first week of the NFL to you? The t- 
team that shocked me most with yeah. their win? Yeah. I mean, it's a little cliche to say it. Probably Buffalo. but Yeah. Oh, they were sharp. But, you know, it's actually not as shocking as you think when you realize that Buffalo, they went into the season with a top-ranked defense. They were a top-five defense. Everybody expected it. I knew Tyrod Taylor was going to be able to move the ball. Yeah. Um, you know, Andrew Luck, for all the praise that he gets as a fantasy quarterback, and he is clutch in the moments that it matters. Oh, he looked pitiful. He's a guy that, you know, he, he's like Peyton, young Peyton. He throws interceptions. He's yeah. not, he's not flawless. He's no Aaron Rodgers. He's not there yet. He's, he probably will be at some point in his career, but I, I mean, that was, that was a pretty big surprise for me. I think maybe. What, what team was your biggest disappointment other than the Seahawks in the first week? Uh, I mean, it's, I think it's gotta be the Hawks. Maybe, maybe honestly, Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota was yeah. a team, you know, we do another sports show, you and I, called The Branded Athlete and Black Hollywood Live, and a couple weeks ago we did our NFL preview, mm-hmm. and we both talked about Minnesota as the wild card team in the NFC that we thought had a real chance to do something. Yeah. So to see them go out there tonight, yeah. to see Adrian Peterson come back on the field, and, and mind you, we will get to this with the game, but this is a returning Norv Turner offense. You, you are returning Charles Johnson. You have yeah. Teddy Bridgewater in his second year. You know, like... All the pieces are there to yeah. continue the momentum from last season. And you yeah. go out there tonight, and they looked out of sorts. They did not. I couldn't figure it out. I, Charles Johnson's on my fantasy team. He was invisible. He was yeah. terrible. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think the Vikings look like they uh, had a lost identity out there. Uh, Bridgewater looked just very apprehensive on so many different plays. We'll dive into that a little bit later. Uh, let's talk about the first game of the night in Monday Night Football. Obviously, as you know, it is a tradition now on the first Monday night that there's a doubleheader. So it was basically like seven straight hours of football tonight. Mm. So the first team, uh, or excuse me, the first two teams that played were the NFC South Atlanta Falcons against the uh, NFC West. East. Excuse me, NFC East. Thank you very much. I still keep thinking about the Seahawks. Your tie is throwing me off. Against the NFC East, Philadelphia Eagles. And, you know, this, this coming into this game, there was a lot of hype. You know, yeah. there was a lot of hype surrounding the Eagles because we just saw with their Chip Kelly run up tempo offense, they were great in the preseason. I mean, they were annihilating opponents. Yep. Uh, and, and just looked very sharp. And everyone's saying, this is the team. This is going to be the team out of the NFC East. They're going to be strong. Um, so there was a lot of hype behind them. And then also with the Falcons, you know, they had the last couple of seasons have been disappointing since their 2012 run to the NFC championship. Yep. And they've just kind of, Regressed over the last couple of uh, seasons, so you know there was this. There was a lot of is the year back. Julio Jones comes in; he just gets the big contract. Roddy White is healthy, so um, you know this was another team that was uh, people were trying to figure out. So it was an intriguing matchup. Absolutely. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Needless to say. Uh, I'm coughing there like I'm coughing up a fumble or something like that. <laughs> um, but at any rate, you know, uh, needless to say, definitely an intriguing matchup. So let's just go get, get straight into it. Um, before this game, who did you think had the edge to win this game going into it? Uh, pretty clearly the Eagles. That was, that was, I mean, Atlanta is this team where the last two seasons you've really watched how decimated oh, yeah. their infrastructure was due mm-hmm. to the Julio Jones trade. Yeah, you know it was a tr- it was a trade that they sacrificed six draft picks. They, it for. cost them a lot, and you saw it pop up in the journeymen that were playing on the offensive line. You saw it pop up in 
this in the fact that you know as as Michael Turner was failing at running back, mm-hmm. they didn't have you know they didn't have the draft picks to, to pick somebody up. They ended up having to sign an old Stephen Jackson. You, you just watched as that team kind of flailed a little bit. I do think that the Chip Kelly offense and and the kind of magic that goes along with Philly right now is is a little overblown. It's a little overhyped. Yeah. So I wouldn't have given Philly that much of an edge. Yeah. But the fact that the game. I don't know. I guess it being in Atlanta matters, but it's it's in a dome, you know. And Philly's a high, it's a fast paced offense. They're not gonna. Get, I I just I would have given the you game. You can't to go fast paced in a dome. No, I'm saying this. It's good to go fast paced oh, in a dome. Okay, you, you know. I see. I see. Well, yeah, that is true. Atlanta obviously did have the home field advantage here, and you spoke about Julio Jones and how much they gave up for him. But I would pretty much say. Julio Jones may have been the X factor in this game today. Oh, I mean, he 100% he, was the X factor. He was phenomenal. You know, a pair of touchdowns, 141 yards, and looked very sharp. Looked extremely sharp. Um, I think he had about nine receptions or something. So let's just go into the first half. The first half, this up-tempo Eagles offense that was just looking precise in the preseason was looking distraught, looking discombobulated. Bradford looked like he was a little confused out there. Yeah, the first half they they, they were a little just dis- disturbing to watch. I mean, Demarco Murray lost what twelve yards on one of, that, one of those early runs. Yeah, he got knocked way back and tackled in the backfield. Uh, yeah, I, I think it was definitely a surprise. I mean, when you when you think about the Chip Kelly offense, the way that's supposed to look, mm-hmm. you know. In the end, it all balanced out. Stats-wise, Bradford yeah. threw the ball over 50 times. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. That's what it's supposed to happen. But you're also supposed to run you know, something like seven or eight more plays on average than any other team. Yeah. So you ha- to do that, you've got to be able to pick up four to six yards a run on a lot of those runs. Mm-hmm. You know, It's often going to be run on first down. Hand, you know, maybe, maybe like a play fake on second down, and then like, you know, it's third and three, and you do like a quick slant and pick up 12 on it. And, and by the time you hit the second and the third quarter, you're wearing out that defense to the point that something that should get you three or four yards is going to get you 12. Exactly. And, and in the first half, they really didn't look like the running backs had grasped the scheme. You know, you had two new running backs doing what, what, uh, what, uh, who, who was? LaShawn McCoy? LaShawn McCoy was doing it last year. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it just, it definitely was, they, they righted the ship in the second half, but the running game was struggling. And it seemed to me that was the biggest problem in the first half. Absolutely. 100% agree with your assessment there. Also, a lot should be talked about. Part of the reason they were struggling was the simple fact that Atlanta's defense was superb. They came out with intensity. Yeah. They came out with passion. They recently acquired uh, Dan Quinn to be their defensive coordinator. We saw what he did with the Seahawks. Yep. And that first half, and it, uh, Atlanta looked like a team resurged because, remember last season – how terrible their defense was. I think right. they were ranked among the last five as far as just overall defensive efficiency. Right. So to see them come out that strong in the first half and play that good was really just a uh, a testament to Quinn, but also just to show that, you know, obviously this is a, a, a defense that is not to be overlooked this year. Right. And um, I honestly think overall, if you watch the second half, I think their defense in the first half truly won the game from them overall. Yeah. If you look at the game overall, their defense in the first half is what won them the game. And, and the fact that Julio Jones is is a nightmare. I mean, do we think so okay, so Calvin Johnson's thirty years old now. Yeah. Do we think that right now Julio Jones is the most physically dominant wide receiver in football? I think he has to be. I wouldn't say that. I mean, you look at Antonio Brown. No, physic physically dominant? Antonio's not even on the same level physically. He's an incredible He's athletically uh, great route runner, very quick. Doesn't run anywhere near as physical, like physical, strong wide receiver. I mean, okay, what I mean by what I mean by that is this: when when Calvin Johnson was in his prime, not only was Calvin Johnson 
six five and ran a sub four four and he had an eleven foot broad jump. I mean, not yeah. only was he two twenty five at the doing all that, he was like but, a Terrell Owens point oh, like point two. But he could also run incredible routes. Mm-hmm. Now, what Julio Jones has going for him is, I believe Julio Jones is six foot two. I he's six four, I think actually. He's a big guy. 6'3", uh, maybe, but 6'3", okay. like 220, or it's like 220, right mm-hmm. around there, and he definitely runs like a 4'4'2". I mean, mm-hmm. he's got the measurables of a complete physical freak, and his footwork is amazing. Yeah. So it's like this difference between him and Antonio Brown is like, Antonio Brown's never going to be the guy that can just like like take off a post and just beat the corner every time. There's basically no one who you can think of who's going to be able to guard Julio. I mean, he made Byron Maxwell look like a joke. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is, Physically dominant, if you put him against any corner, he'll probably get the best of him. He'll probably beat mm. Richard Sherman. He'll probably beat Darrell Rivas. Like, yeah. Yeah. In a way that, that Calvin used to. And Antonio, though he's always open, it's different. He's smaller. He's not as fast. Yeah. He's quick. Someone else who's a little smaller, but it's really a physical receiver yeah. uh, is Odell. Beckham Jr. Yeah. I mean, he's a great route runner, very physical dude. Not as tall though; doesn't have the height, yeah. you know, six four, six five, but uh, very physical as well. But that's a very good observation about Julio. And you know, just a simple fact. I mean, you you just seen his physical domin- dominance in the game today. Absolutely. And um, you know, as he, I, you know, a lot of people were talking about the excessive contract. I think it was seventy one million or something. It was a lot of money. Yeah, he signed for and. I would beg to say he was worth every penny of that today. If his foot know. stays, if his foot stays in one piece, uh, he'll be just fine. And he, Did I mean, he's on pace for, if anybody's wondering, basically every fan, fantasy football analyst has mm-hmm. said, uh, they believe Julio Jones has the potential to have the greatest season in the history of fantasy football for a wide receiver this season. It's because of his role as the X receiver in the Shanahan offense, yeah. which tends to target the X receiver repeatedly. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a, it's a system that's really designed to take advantage of that number one receiver more than almost anybody else's in the league. And yeah. that was evidence tonight in the fact that he had 10 targets in the first half, uh, two touchdowns. I mean, yeah. His numbers in the first half were gaudy. I mean, I, I think he only had the one, uh, maybe one reception that that forty-four yard bomb that he had caught in the second in, half. In the second half, I think that was his only reception actually because well, he, he. I don't know if you noticed, he wasn't in a lot of those plays. Uh, yeah, I was looking for him in the second half, and he was taking four and five plays off, and I think it's because it looked like they they started to play bracket coverage on him uh-huh. on the left side, mm-hmm. uh, and I, you would notice every time he was in, the safety would come in. Uh, it's kind of like people used to play Calvin; they yeah. would just bracket Julio and and. Uh, I think they started to take him out of the game because... They made adjustments. Uh, yeah, and I, I mean, he would be in there for certain plays, but he yeah. wasn't in on every snap like he had been in the first half. Now, let me ask you about this. Let's talk about the person that's throwing to him. Yeah. Uh, Matt Ryan, as we know, was rewarded with a huge contract. I believe that was two seasons ago, Yeah, I think. Um, paid a lot of money. He hasn't performed the best the last right. couple of seasons after that huge contract. He's been okay. What do you think about Matt Ryan's performance overall? Um, I know we're still talking about first half, but just overall today, you know, what, what do you think about his performance? And is he, would you consider him an elite quarterback? Matt Ryan's like that girl <laughs> in high school that every guy was like, that girl's, that girl's pretty hot. Like, so you want to go out with her? No, I mean, I, it'd be a, yeah, I'd go out with her, but like, so you want to date her? No, but she's really hot though. <laughs> Matt Ryan's that guy that everybody's like, yeah, he's elite, but he's like the bottom of elite. He's like he's like maybe top. He's like the tenth or eleventh best quarterback. So it's if he like, was a hot girl, would you date him? My point is, if you start a franchise <laughs> and they're like, "Hey, we're going to give you Matt Ryan as your quarterback," you'd be like, "Oh, that's great." It's not very exciting. He's not. He doesn't excite you. He's yeah. yeah. I mean he he has the longest active streak in the NFL right now of two hundred fifty yard games. I think tonight was his eighth in a row. Uh-huh. Uh, he puts up numbers. He mm-hmm. wins games most of the time. He's like a slightly more efficient, a little bit more aerial-minded Alex Smith. 
Yeah. I mean, but he's not and he's he's not in the same conversation as Aaron Rodgers or Andrew Luck or, or Brady or Romo. He's just not yeah. one of these guys that it's funny, like he and Romo are kind of one and the same, but I have more faith in Romo being able to win a championship than I do in Matt Ryan. Yeah, well, I mean, Romo statistically since he started in 2006, he has more fourth quarter comebacks and wins than any other quarterback. He has 26 more than Manning and more than Rodgers, anyone else. So I think to, to your point, Romo, I would trust him more, even though in the playoffs, yeah. we saw that we can't trust Romo as much. But but I'll bet you if you looked for it, you'd be able to you'd be able to give me some pretty interesting Matt Ryan statistics that are like, he's the best at this, he's done this thing, and he's done this incredibly clutch thing in his career. I wouldn't doubt it at all, because yeah. Matt Ryan's very good. And they talked about it tonight. Gruden talked about it. He's, yeah. you know, Matt Ryan, he's so sharp. He's so yeah, efficient. Gruden loves Ryan. He well, loves him. He's the he's the prototypical quarterback. He's a pocket passer. He's got a big yeah. arm. He's like six four. He's, yeah. he's he's smart. He doesn't make bad decisions. He can throw the long ball. But like he just doesn't let, seem to let me wow ask you. This: What is it that he's lacking that takes away from him being a Rodgers, a Brady? If he has all these intangibles that uh, you know Gruden talks about, what is the one thing he's missing? Maybe that's not making him elite. It might be, for lack of a better word. Uh, character personality leadership or yeah I mean it's hard to know because we don't know Matt Ryan personally yeah and it's difficult to say that you know let's take Tom Brady for instance I mean I don't think a lot of people would would tell you that they think Tom Brady has a lot of personality or character I mean you've seen the fire sometimes when they show the videos of it but I mean Tom yeah. Brady is is to a lot of people he comes off as kind of vanilla he's yeah. good old Tom yeah. but Brady seems to have this competitive spirit and this leadership that yeah. drives him absolutely and Matt Ryan, it's like he's just there's something that's just not something dry. Or yeah, it's dry. It's like jump to dry there. If, I agree. If, if we were gonna, t- you and I had a conversation once about this, and and the conversation was okay. There's 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, and we know at the very very top of the list, there's four or five guys that are the guys, right? We 100% know that Brady and Manning, if he's not a statue this year, but traditionally Manning and Breeze. Breeze, I mean, Rodgers. Yeah. They've all won championships. Yeah. And they're great, we, right? So they're obvious. The next tier of guys are guys that you believe are those guys, right? And, yeah. And in my mind, it was a guy that you believe, you put him in a situation to win you a clutch game, mm-hmm. he will, he'll give you a good chance to win the game. But he won't lose you the game, right? Mm-hmm. That's the that's the criteria. Guys that'll throw the game away don't get to be in the category. But guys that can win the game and will never throw the game away, that's the next level. That's to me, that's elite, right? Mm-hmm. So to me, that's like Russell Wilson has shown you that he won't lose you important games. He's an effective game manager. He can win them. We won't talk about that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think he didn't win yesterday, but yeah. Andrew Luck is a guy that has shown that he can. Yeah. He, you know, Philip Rivers. I would throw him in there. I'd say so. Matt Ryan is in that category, but it's like he's the last guy in the category. <laughs> Whereas, you know, a guy like Stafford, he'll lose you the game. He uh-huh. can win you the game, but he'll lose you the game. Yeah. Cam Newton, he can win you the game, he'll lose you the game. Exactly. So it's a, it's different. It's, it's this Roethlisberger is the guy that's in the top category, right? So how many guys in the NFL are that guy that won't lose you the game, that are, that are truly mm-hmm. in that top tier? There's maybe only eight or nine guys in the whole league, and Matt Ryan's the eighth or ninth guy. It's, uh, it's funny to me. It's like he's never, he's never, to me, he has never shown me anything that's going to creep him past the bottom of that list. He's uh-huh. like the 10th best quarterback or something. Well, Matt Ryan, there you have it. You, if you're listening to the show, which of course all 32 quarterbacks in the league listen to this, <laughs> Ben Bateman has called you out and said, you know what? You're great. You're somewhat hot, but you're not the <laughs> baddest chick in school. 
So whatever you got to do to be the baddest chick in the school, all right, that everyone wants, you got to step it up. But I mean, overall was solid. Let's get into the second half. It kind of seemed like the Falcons defense lost their identity in the second half. Or the uh, up-tempo Eagles offense came out that much more effective. I think that's what happened, yeah. Bradford, the other quarterback who we haven't really talked about enough, was on fire yeah. the second half. I think up until like a, two minutes after the fourth quarter, he was 20 of 22. Yeah. That's over 90%. 200 and something yards. Um, once I, the second half, he was he had like a perfect passer rating. And you just kind of saw his confidence out there. And I mean, some granted, some of his passes were little five-yard screens to Darren Sproles. It was a lot some, of short stuff across yeah, the middle. Yeah, grind, grind was a lot of that, that short stuff or a little five-yard and out to Selleck or something of that sort. But... He just looked like he came back a lot more confident, a yeah. lot more efficient. They started, they, they went to that no huddle offense, uh, yeah. for a couple of those drives. And I mean, he was just going down, looked like a man on a mission. And you saw for a second, that second half, you were like, okay, this is the team that looked like the dominant preseason Eagles right here. And, you know, it was just very impressive to watch that. And you're thinking, okay, I'm watching Bradford, the, the resurgence, the revitalization of Bradford yeah. right here. Is he for real? Well, I think it's interesting because over the last two seasons, Eagles quarterback, whatever, whoever was playing, if you added up their, all their stats, uh, for one given season, mm-hmm. that quarterback has ended up ranking something like in the top five or six, uh, at least top ten in fantasy points, which obviously is related to just yards and touchdowns and everything. Exactly. So it's a very effective position to play. We've seen everybody from Michael Vick to Nick Foles, Foles. to Mark Sanchez. Absolutely. And they've all found success in that system. Yeah. So, in theory, if if Sam Bradford stays healthy, mm-hmm. he's perfect for the system because he's incredibly accurate and his inter- is short and intermediate passes. Yeah. Um, we've just never seen Sam Bradford. I mean, the guy was drafted first overall in 2010. You know, yeah. But between ACLs and shoulder injuries, he's he's never stayed in a season long enough. I think you think he's played one and a half healthy seasons, and the rest mm-hmm. have just been games that have been. He's, he's been barred by so many injuries. So it's interesting to see him in this situation. He's he's a perfect fit for the system. He's yeah. not quite as mobile, I think, as some guys in the system could be. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's a West Coast offense. It's it's a, it's an extremely up tempo West Coast offense yeah. that runs, like I said, seven or eight more plays a game than most than most teams. Yeah. And speaking of run, you know, the unfortunate thing that was not effective from them tonight was their run. Yeah. You know, they run. They only ran for what 68, 63 yards, something like that. Uh, and you know, and you have one of the best running backs. I mean, you have DeMarco Murray who ran for over 1,800 yards last season. Yeah. Now, granted, that line he was running behind last season was ridiculously good. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if I can compare the Dallas offensive line to the, uh, to the Eagles, Eagles offensive line. But, um, at any rate, they just did not look good. I mean, I think Sproles actually got more touches at running back than, um, DeMarco Murray did. So I mean, he like, caught a lot of passes. I think Sproles in the end rushed for like 50 yards and caught like five or six balls yeah. for like well, another he, 60 like or this. 70 Sproles yards. Sproles rushed for 50 yards and they only had 63 yards of total rushing. Yeah. Then that shows he carried the, the edge. And, you know, it's just, it, I guess my question to you is this. Is DeMarco Murray going to struggle in this particular offense um, as a rusher? No, I don't think so. I think you saw the second half; everything perked up. I think you saw Demarco Murray still ran with confidence. You know, he's he's a good runner, and he and yeah. he's not just a one cut guy. He's 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 shifty. He's powerful. Absolutely. Um, 
I think he's an injury concern to some degree. He's he's had an injury history, but if he stays healthy, uh, I think Demarco Murray will get the most touches by far. Yeah. You know, I think Ryan Matthews had had three or four he rushes did, yeah. and another three or four targets yeah. in the passing game, and he he got that one touchdown. And then you know Sproles was heavily utilized. I think that they're going to run enough snaps, but they're going to rotate those backs well enough uh-huh. to keep those three guys healthy. Yeah. Um. I, again, I think I think. Uh, Eagles running back is kind of the same as Eagles quarterback. It's it's the Chip Kelly mentality is like just just mash together all their production. Yeah, and I'm going to get the production I want. Exactly. And I, I don't so I don't think it's going to matter if Demarco Murray is is more or less effective than Ryan Matthews. I mean I yeah. I traded in in my fantasy league tonight. Yeah. Um, I traded James Jones for Ryan Matthews because. I, I believe Ryan Matthews has tremendous value long term. I think, especially in a league that gets points for for points per reception, like it, I, he he is a guy that I believe in that offense, even at the rate that he's at now, which is just a rotational running back. He's mm. valuable. Absolutely. And, you know, it's because he's a piece of that offense, and it's because in any given game he might get 15 runs, or he mm. might get 10, or he might get seven, you know, receptions. And if Murray misses a game, Matthews will be hugely valuable. Like it's yeah. Uh, I don't really think you should worry about Murray as much as it's are the Eagles going to be able to run the ball? Yeah. yeah. Is the whole team going to be able to run the ball? No, I mean that that's a very good question because you know, you, you see with any of the great teams, they establish a strong run. Whenever you establish a strong run, that opens up a lot of uh offense. You know, yeah. you can do play action, read option. There's so many things that open up from a strong rushing. And if you look at the great teams, yep. most of them I'm a strong from you know, from the the tie you're wearing, um, to other you know, to, yeah. to other powerful teams, uh uh, you know, the uh the Patriots, the the Colts, well, they have Frank Gore now, who is kind of uh, lackluster. Yeah. Lackluster, yeah. Wasn't but great. At, at any rate, you know, most te- most great teams establish a strong run, and I think once the Eagles find that, um, that will you know benefit the rest of their offense. But you know, as you said with Chip Kelly, he likes to run this up tempo offense. But I remember him at Oregon; he had you know his backs a lot of times came out of the backfield. You know, specifically DeAnthony Thomas, yeah. who was a running back. But he it's like he saw more time at receiver than he really did at running back or catching balls out of the backfield. So you also um, had what you had uh, DeAnthony Thomas, you had uh, Kenyon Barner, you had. Um, Kenyon Barnes. Yes, uh, the other guy, the guy, Michael James. Right? Yeah, yep. So I think those were three of the guys. But yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So real quick to sum up this game, you know, uh, it's it's pretty interesting because you know the the Eagles get the missed field goal, but they get a last chance to come back on that very last drive. Sam Bradford comes in and it's like, okay, Sam, this is your time right now to show everybody what you're made of. Right. You've had an outstanding second half. He comes in, there's like a minute and a half left, and he, all they have to do is drive down, get a field goal range, get kick a field goal to win. He does. You you spoke about Ryan Matthews. Let's talk about the other Matthews Jordan on that team. Matthews. Jordan Matthews, who had a pretty solid game, but unfortunately made the biggest error that actually ultimately – Ended the game or yeah. ended it for yeah. the Eagles with a uh, drop pass or deflect uh, a drop pass off him that deflected and somebody else. I forgot the guy that dived uh, the safety from the Falcons that dove and caught it, but um, it was a very costly interception at the end of the game. And um, you know something, Sam Bradford definitely can't hold his head about. Yeah, you know he made the right pass. He did his thing, so he threw it a little high. He threw it a little high, but yes, yeah, he should have been able to high point it. I agree. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. So real quick, out of this game, what do you grade? Sam Bradford on an A through F scale. What do you give him? B minus. B minus. What do you give Matt Ryan? A minus. A minus. All right. Good. Good. I I, I can definitely dig it. 
Yeah. Now, you know, Ben, one of the things you talk about a lot on here and things you made references to was fantasy. Yes, sir. We all know fantasy is great. Now, you said before this that you play for a couple of fantasy leagues. What leagues do you play for? Well, I'm, I'm in a couple of leagues on Yahoo that are uh, – those are those – are Season long leagues, mm-hmm. and then I just signed up for uh, for daily fantasy football, which is a new mm-hmm. thing they're doing. There's a couple different sites that do it. Um, among them are, you know, Yahoo has one, FanDuel, DraftKings does one, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, I just I just signed up for DraftKings and just played my first challenges this week. You signed up for DraftKings? Yeah, I played DraftKings. That's awesome, man. I love DraftKings. You know why I love DraftKings? Why? You know that DraftKings.com has crowned more millionaires wow. than any other one-week fantasy league there is. You realize that? That's incredible. Which means, man, guess what? You could be a millionaire. I tried this week. Yeah. How did, how did it work out for you this week? Well, I, this week I bought in for uh, $15, mm-hmm. and I won 145 Look at uh, that. And I didn't even finish very well. So I'm I'm, I'm on board. I'm, I'm all in on DraftKings. You multiplied that, man. That's That's crazy. It's good money. And, you know, speaking of DraftKings, like I said, uh, this season, the prizes are even bigger. I mean, they, it's just, it's just so many. And you can actually start off by winning $2 million just in week one. Now, I know week one already passed, but you could do that in week two, week three, what have you. The best thing about DraftKings, too, is every week you could switch it up. You are not married to any player for the duration of the season. So if you have a little few commitment issues and don't want to commit to a certain, that's perfectly fine. Next week, you can switch it up as well. It's one of the very few fantasy leagues that give you and enable you that opportunity to switch it up week by week. $10 million in prizes are up for grabs. So if you want to be a millionaire, you like playing football, you know a little thing about football, definitely sign up for DraftKings. You know, and you know, the, the, the best thing about this is you can play wherever you want, when you want, with the players that you want. So make sure that you head over to DraftKings.com today. Matter of fact, right now. If you're watching this on the archive, press pause, click up another window, open up DraftKings, and get your team today. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Yes, absolutely. Is there? Do we have a? Do we have a code or something that we can give out? For oh my use? goodness, man! Thank you so much for for talking about that. That's a really good idea. Your code is Buzz B U Z Z, like After Buzz TV. I used it. Uh, you guys will get a. You guys will get like a some sort of a bonus buy-in thing. I can't remember what I got. But <laughs> well, it's... actually, if they enter Buzz, they get a free entry now. That's what it. Okay, yeah, yeah. Free entry now. Uh, if you go to DraftKings.com and enter buzz b-u-z-z and um you'll be buzzing about all that money you make so it's really it's it's not hard i, I know we just plugged DraftKings for a while but we are talking football yeah. and, and obviously uh watching the game tonight you know i'm a seahawks fan i watched my team lose this week mm-hmm. monday night football one of these games tonight was very exciting one of them was the opposite of exciting but it doesn't matter because if you're playing weekly fantasy Boom. you get to choose your players every week it's different every week your lineup can change every week and every single game can have relevance for you if you want it to yeah. but you don't get bogged down by a Des Bryant foot injury or anything like that it's yeah. you know you don't have to sit with an injured player on your roster all season so exactly. i highly recommend it it's a lot of fun uh, if especially if you if you like uh you know, the way it works basically is that you have the roster you need to fill out, quarterback, few receivers, couple running backs, tight end, et cetera, et cetera. They give you a budget mm-hmm. and uh, you basically, they, they list the value of every player for that week based on how good they are and their matchup. And, their and party, you have yeah. to, and you have to go through and you kind of balance and you say, okay, you know, if I can get Tyrod Taylor as the cheapest quarterback, then I can spend more money on Julio Jones because he's got a good matchup this week. Yeah. And if I'm going to get Julio Jones, I'll just take a flyer on Tyler Eifert 
because maybe he'll be good and then he gets you two touchdowns and it's exciting. You know, I mean, that's that's how it all works. So you get to pay attention to all these. It's 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 really a lot of fun. I highly recommend it. Let's get good back deal. to Monday Night Football. There you have it from a fantasy expert right here. So as Ben said, one game tonight was exciting. The other game was not exciting. I'm glad we spent so much time talking about the first game before because we, the second – go ahead. Before we move on, I just do want to mention a couple other things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, on the Falcon side of the ball, the resurgence of Roddy White. That was, an, that was a really yeah. interesting thing to watch. I think Roddy White ended up with – uh, maybe six catches for like 84 yards after yeah, getting he was a factor for getting his elbow operated on yeah. and, and I think his knee drained or his elbow drained last season mm-hmm. uh, he really looked healthy tonight yeah. he looked good he's picking up chunks of yards mm-hmm. um, that was a lot of fun to watch there was a there was a battle in the preseason between uh, Devonte Freeman and uh, Tevin Coleman as the starting running back for the Falcons. Mm-hmm. It really looks like Tevin Coleman has asserted himself tonight. Yeah, he rushed for four yards per carry. He looked really strong. Looked he, solid. Uh, yeah, I believe he was a second round draft pick this year out of uh, Indiana, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know he he looked good. He he looked shifty. Mm-hmm. He, they say he's a one cut runner, but his lateral quickness looked really quick. I was I was I was happy to see that. Um, and on the Eagles side of the ball, I was just trying to think. We and Nelson Aguilar, the rookie, didn't really do much. Yeah, Nelson Aguilar was kind of kept in check because he had such a strong preseason. Yeah, yeah. And you know, a lot of fantasy people were talking about. You know, he's going to be a big time playmaker. And I don't even know if he had a reception tonight. Maybe I, one or two. He was only targeted a few times. Yeah, he yeah. Big, he he was, got a big penalty for a pass interference that brought back a Julio Jones screen. But also, I noticed Atlanta was really keen in on him too. The secondary, especially in that first half. I mean, Aguilar was not getting a lot of looks or open looks as yeah. well. So you know that probably contributed as well. But yeah, that was a shocker. I thought he was going to be a lot more effective in this first game. But you know, who knows? There's a lot more football to be played left, and I'm sure they he'll definitely get his uh, yeah. touches and things of that sort. So uh, you know, we're gonna switch over now to the other uh, the other Monday night game which was the NFC West against the one the only Minnesota Vikings and there was a lot of big stories coming into this game obviously the first major story coming into this game was the return of Minnesota Vikings all American all pro running back the one the only Adrian Peterson and there was a lot of talk about you know he was out for a year due to reasons that we're all familiar with and, you know, he's he's approaching 30 or is 30 right now, I think. Something like that. 30 this year, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of talk about he's already been out a year. He's pushing. He's already 30. You know, is he going to be the same Adrian Peterson? Is he going to be effective? Obviously, with the 49ers, they pretty much dominated offseason uh, NFL news just because of, you know, p- players retiring, uh, players getting in trouble with the law, players going over to the Raiders, which they lost a couple of them. Um, so, the, you know, the, the new coach coming in there. So there was a lot of stories coming into this by both uh, teams. And, you know, I, I definitely have to say, even though the, the stories kind of overshadowed everything, the game kind of disappointed. You know, it wasn't a lot of fireworks, wasn't a lot of, uh, of anything going in. But I will say this, Carlos Hyde, he made 49er fans forget all about Frank Gore. He has arrived, man. That guy looked insane. He didn't look like just like a good runner. He looked like an angry Physical yeah. can do everything. Runner. Absolutely, that spin move on the touchdown yeah. was insane. Yeah, the guy that reminded is me of Braxton Miller's spin move in that Ohio State game. Frightening. Right. I yeah. mean, uh, that's a guy. This is a guy that I think people thought with Reggie Bush, who got injured in the game, like the first player, the first series. Yeah, yeah. It actually, looked like a non-contact, maybe like an Achilles. But it was I think strange. They're, they're saying it's a calf. Okay, it's a calf injury. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Carlos Hyde was was the real deal. Yeah. Um, he was a second round draft pick last year out of Oklahoma, I believe. Um, the sooner, I don't know if he was a sooner. Oklahoma um, State, maybe. 
Oh, okay. Oklahoma okay. State. No, Ohio State. Ohio State. Okay. Ohio State. The Ohio State. I think he, I think he was out of Ohio State. Okay. Um, anyway, he he looked insane tonight, and and I think there was a lot of hype going into last season that he was going to be kind of the guy. But uh, anyway, enough about him. Let's let's kind of try to cover both sides of the ball quickly here. Yeah. So you know, obviously, a lot of talk about Teddy Bridgewater coming into this game. You yeah. Know, everyone was talking about he can be the man. He can be the quarterback. What was your overall assessment of him? Look jumpy in the first half. Yeah. Jitters, season opener. Um, San Francisco's a pretty loud, uh, unfriendly crowd to visiting teams. Uh, and <laughs> I, I know this is a Seahawks fan going there. Oh, yeah. Um, Levi Stadium. You know, and I, I thought, you know, Norv tried to, to dial it down and give him a little bit, a little bit of an easier run in the second half. And he, he had moments that he looked okay, but truth, truthfully, I would chalk up this performance by the whole Vikings team as I'm just going to throw it out. Charles Johnson is a great receiver. We saw it last year. Mm-hmm. You know, it was very weird that Mike Wallace was targeted as much as he was. Peterson didn't make much of an impact. Yeah. Nothing about this game made a lot of sense to me on their side of the ball. And the fact that the 49ers, I mean, no offense to you as a Niners fan. I, I You never know about the season Not going into it. Not offending me. You're offending Niner, Niner Nation who's watching, but go ahead. The 49ers, truthfully, going into this year, looked like a dumpster fire. Most of the good pieces of their defense left the team. You mm-hmm. were going with... Colin Kaepernick on it coming off a year that he looked like he had no idea what he's doing. Your number one receiver is Torrey Smith. You have an aging Anquan Bolden. Frank Gore left. He had a rookie running back and a few pieces of an offensive line. I mean... And we got Vernon Davis, who's still solid. I'm just saying, going into the game, this is not the outcome I would have expected. Yeah. So I'm not going to take this game at face value. If they show it to me again next week and if the Vikings look this bad again next week, then I'll be worried. But yeah. this game, eh, it didn't mean too much to me. What do you think? Yeah, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, this game, I think you're looking for two teams that are searching for their identity, specifically the 49ers, you know, with all the offseason changes and, you know, lose uh, losses, the coaching changes. You know, there was a lot going on in the offseason. And I think the 49ers just wanted to come out and prove that regardless of all that, they're still a team yeah. and they can still do well. And I think their defense was superb. So despite all of the, you know, changes, missing Alden Smith, Patrick Willis, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. I still think that their defense looks great. Now, granted, it was against the Minnesota Vikings, who were pretty much offensively terrible. Yep. But, you know, I, I, that should not take away from the fact that I do feel that the uh, Niners did a great job, uh, you know, containing uh, the, not just the receivers in Wallace or Peterson, but I just felt that they kept the, they controlled the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And they just did it. I, I think they just played a very effective game. So, I mean, you can't really say a lot about it because of the opponent, but overall, if I'm the 49ers after this game, what do I take away from it? I take away from it that, A, we got a hell of a running back. <laughs> Which is good, you know. Anytime you can have a, uh, and that, the thing is with Hyde, that takes so much more pressure off of Kaepernick. Kaepernick really does. When yeah. you have a running back that you can depend on, that takes a lot more pressure off. So Kaepernick doesn't have to do it all like we've seen him, um, you know, try to do before in the past. So that's a positive takeaway. Um, their defense will still be tested as you know they they, they yeah. continue to to uh, you know face steeper competition. But you know, overall, if I'm a 49ers fan, uh, a 49ers fan or anything, I'm pleased with the performance. If I'm a Vikings fan, I I am very scared. I'll yeah. just say that much. My big takeaways from, I would say, the 49er side of the ball would be, A, Carlos Hyde's the truth. Yeah. You oh, yeah. You can't fake that. B, Navarro Bowman is one of my favorite players in the NFL. I was really happy to see him back. Yeah. I love that guy as a linebacker. He's a guy that, that he plays. He doesn't talk. And, we, you know, it's weird to see Patrick Willis retired from football at 30 or 31. The guy yeah, is, he's about 30, yeah. Another one of my favorite players. And 
and Bowman, I mean, as a Seahawks fan, obviously, I hate to say it, but I, the guy is just a beast. And it's nice to see him coming off that injury and coming back and being as effective as he was. So I'm not going to get worried about it yet. <laughs> you know, I, we bet off air already that uh, the, the Niners are going to finish last in the NFC West, and I stand Disrespectful. by Disrespectful. But, uh, you know, whatever. Right now, the Seahawks are last in the division. So we'll uh, we'll, 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 we'll check in with that another another time. Um, anything else you want to kind of add before we wrap things up here? Um, no, you know, I, you know, obviously, I, th- I think just wrapping things up, this goes to show, I mean, obviously there were some ups- upsets this week uh, in Week 1 football, and it just kind of just goes to show that football, any given Sunday. Absolutely. You never know what can happen. You never know who you know the outcome of the game. If uh, you know, if I, if I was just going to say my highlighter, you know, I'll just say my star of this week. Um, actually, I have two stars of this week. I should just pick one. My stars of this week: Carlos Hyde, obviously Niners, and I, I'm gonna have to give it to Tony Romo. Um, those are good. my two stars yeah. of the week. What about you? Who would you say your star this uh, week one is? Uh, Travis Kelsey for the Travis, Kansas okay. City Chiefs, Chiefs yeah. was amazing. Yeah, guy, he really does look like miniature Gronk. Um, and yeah, maybe Chris Ivory on the Jets. On the, okay, he was really damn good. Uh, you know, I, I like DeAndre Hopkins a lot too, but I, I think that's more expected. Ivory was kind of an underdog. People kind of wrote him off a little bit, and he really killed it this week. And then Kelsey, both of them with huge games, over 100 yards and two touchdowns. So um, I have both of them on all my fantasy teams this year. I was about to say, I hope so. As a genius. so There you uh, go. Speaking of fantasy, don't forget DraftKings.com. All right, so, you know, you, you, you spoke about him from the Jets. And next week, another Monday night game. Please make sure that you guys do tune in to our show here. It'll be at 9 p.m. next Monday night. Uh, the next Monday night teams, that two teams that we'll be playing are the New York Jets versus the Colts. Real quick, who do you have in that game? Definitely the Colts. Yeah, I'm going to take the Colts, too. They looked extremely disappointing uh, Sunday. Expect them to bounce back, I think, and, um, you know. Uh, do good, even though the Jets won too decisively this last game. But I definitely think Andrew Luck and the coach will find their mojo. But we'll find out next Monday night. And you guys will watch this show again uh, next Monday night just to hear our wrap-up and everything that we offer. Real quick, I do want to say we are missing a couple of hosts tonight. Steph Z and Tina Kaplan, who they will be joining us next Monday night to add some estrogen to this uh, panel here. So at any rate, guys, thank you so much for watching. I'm excited football's back. I know you guys are excited football's back, and we're going to be here all season long every Monday night dissecting and discussing the games. Uh, ben Bateman, thank you so much for uh, guest appearing on of here. Of course, of course. Giving us your fantasy knowledge and everything else. Where can the fans find you? Uh, if you guys want to check out some of my stuff, you can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and Instagram. I do everything from sports to movies to gaming, and I'm kind of all over the place. Uh, so, but you know, if you ever tweet at me about sports, I got a lot to say about football and basketball. So, Kevin, where's And you? Tom Cruise. If you have any Tom Cruise questions, he <laughs> is your man. Tom Cruise. Absolutely. You guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at HeyKevinJohn. Tweet me anything sports, entertainment, music, uh, Barbie dolls, Spice Girls, all of that stuff. Except Barbie dolls. That was weird. At any rate, guys, thank you so much for watching. We'll see you back here. Next Monday night, 9 p.m., same place. Thank you all so much. Have a wonderful night, and go Niners. Go Hawks. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, Buzz you later. later. 
The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.